I'm Joshua Best. I'm Jacob King. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Else's Favorite Songs. Casual popular music discussion spanning the past 70 years. We talk about the music you love. And the music you should know that you may not. You are listening to Episode 8, Somebody Else's Favorite Love Songs. Happy Valentine's Day to our podcast listeners. Happy Valentine's Day indeed. The season of love is upon us and the Cephs guys are here to participate. It's February 12th and I'm sure that everyone is scrambling to make reservations for various restaurants or go buy boxes of candy or flowers, real or fake. And many, many men and husbands feel like with it being the 12th, they've still got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Everything will be fine. I'll just get what I need on February 14th, right when I get off work. Everything will still be there on the shelf. Fair warning, folks. That's going to be a Sunday this year. Fewer options. Domingo Gigante. <laughs> Domingo Gigante. 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 Detente. What? By the way, we sound a lot better, don't we? Edit, 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 edit. No, no. Why do you like to keep all my flubs in? Because it's funny. We need something to be funny. <laughs> I suppose that's right. So we have some exciting exciting news from a technical standpoint. Perhaps you've noticed, um, much perhaps to your chagrin, how differently we sound. Well, we should sound better, but my production skills are severely lacking, so I may just screw it up. Well, I think your production skills have been outstanding. Thank you Good for Good time saying. for a shout out to that. Jacob does all our music and editing, and... He does an absolutely fantastic job. I, it's a task I would not even want to to, to break off. We've sort of got a, a division of labor, I guess. He does a lot of the technical stuff, and I do sort of some of the, we'll call it marketing-style stuff with setting some things up. But, you know, he's the brains behind what you actually get to hear as far as I'm concerned, and we share content, so it's, it's worked out well. But perhaps these new microphones, uh, we each have our own now, uh, Perhaps that'll give us a little bit better experience and him a little more control over what he's doing from an editing standpoint. Just basically mute Josh for an hour and a half. That's exactly right. That's the that's the number one thing. It'll be easier for him to cut out some of my nonsense. Or I won't because it's funny. That seems to be the way things go. <laughs> so we thought it would be quite appropriate to talk love songs. So that's what we're going to do today. We did a Christmas episode, and that was fun, I think. This is like that, except it's totally not. Yeah. It's the most wide-open thing we could we could ever hope to discuss is love songs, yeah. quote-unquote. So, you know, I've, I've, always, I've always joked to my wife and said, you know, you understand all music is about sex. All right. Until she, it isn't, and then when it's it, not about sex, it's about power. So, uh, well, I have a quote for you. And I'm going to, to, to quote someone, and the person I'm going to quote is myself. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our tagline. Most songs are about sex. Many songs are about love. And some songs are by Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Except when he runs to his second arrangement. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's only the natural thing. The, the, very, the very rare and unheard songs 
uh, Steely Dan almost never sang anything traditional, but it, it's it's true. And you mentioned when I said that that it's also possibly about power. Sex is also about power. Let's make no mistake there. This is getting a little weird. But well, it's uh, it's part of it. Okay, it's got to be mentioned. But I would say... That was actually a quote from House of Cards. Kevin Spacey's what like, was? everything in the world is about sex, except sex. Sex is about power. Oh, well, there you go. That's that's pretty much accurate, I would say. But I would say with, with music, with the exception of maybe protest songs, which are written for a different reason, or for songs that were written for a purpose of teaching, or maybe even for children's songs. Besides that, most popular songs, certainly over the last hundred years have been about love. Absolutely. And that continues to be the case in in one way or another. Popular music focuses on this subject. So as Jacob said, to to say we're going to do a a show about love, it doesn't really narrow us down very much, you know, as far as what songs we're going to select. How many tens of thousands of songs have been recorded? Maybe more than tens of thousands. I I would say hundreds of thousands. There's millions of songs. Ah, but... What types of love are there? Oh, that's that's a good question. You know, the the Beatles started out just like everybody else. And since we, we love the Beatles, you know, I, it was kind of on my mind. They started out sort of like everybody else with singing about love. But the first song they probably did that was not about love generally is agreed to be Nowhere Man. Although you might say Help. Help could potentially be. But Nowhere Man is without a doubt. And then they go right to Paperback Writer and Rain, and you get to Revolver, and you get Taxman, and Tomorrow Never Knows, and I'm Only Sleeping, Yellow Submarine. Dr. And, Robert. And yeah, yeah, Dr. Robert. We're over into all this. Drug-related stuff. Who knows what, but it's certainly not about love. And then, boom, you got Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, and Sergeant Pepper. And so once again, they're innovating. They're, they're taking music to places other than that. But they always would, would come back to it. They were probably the first to do that sort of thing with any consistency. Again, outside of protest songs or children's songs or whatever. But a, a good question that that was posed that that didn't address was, you know, what does what does love song even mean? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> okay then. Okay, so what is Valentine's Day even is what I'd like to ask. We talk about the lovey-dovey, you know, everybody who's in a relationship. There's that sort of Western thing from Valentine's Day. Chocolates and teddy bears and flowers and et cetera, et cetera. Din- nice dinners. Well, there's also the other side of it. Maybe Singles Day. Have you ever heard of that? Singles Day? People, people who are single refer to Valentine's Day as Singles Day. Oh, okay. So, I mean, well, not everyone... I have been single since 1991, Valentine's Day, so... <laughs> I haven't been single in a long time either, but... <laughs> I hadn't heard of it. If you're single, you, you're not really taking part. You know, maybe, yeah. you, maybe you've broken up with someone. Maybe you're... Your marriage is failing. You know, there's all kinds of, of, of reasons that you may celebrate or not celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah. So a, a breakup song. Exactly. It, uh, that, that's, a, that's a love song. Um, I'll be interested to see if any of those make an appearance as we select some love songs. What about cheating? But, Do people cheat on Valentine's Day? Uh, I would think. I feel certain there's enough so. people in the world that probably somebody's cheating. Uh, well, that's. Uh, the question is who's cheating who and who's being true? 
whose car is parked next door. Thank you. So, as we thought about love songs... (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. Cheesy lyrical references notwithstanding, we've... We've managed some some good ones here, but I, I have to wonder. And and again, we we didn't really make any any plans. I I think I was I think I suggested it, but I just said, "What if we do a love songs episode for Valentine's Day?" And I that said, was it. "Okay, fine." And that's really all we said. I mean, we knew we were going to do our our now familiar format of selecting songs, but we didn't really put any other parameters whatsoever on it. No, and that's what made it incredibly difficult. So, so did you you did you flood your however you curate your your list for this? Did you just flood it with there just things just coming to you left and right? So yes, there were a lot of songs. Two songs made it on my list that came to me immediately, but I ended up with about fifteen. And of course, I just want to say disclaimer: of course, we're going to be leaving out songs that you might expect should be mentioned in you know an episode about love songs. Yeah. There's so many of them. Anyway, and it's not the the greatest love songs ever. We didn't no. say anything. Now, one of us may have chosen to go that way. Our opinion, uh, you know, that's possible. I don't know yet. But we'll find we out. We didn't do that. So I ended up with fifteen of them, and it just got down to you know what? There's no way. How, how can I? How can I? How can I live without you? I want to know. Anyway, how can I ever ever survive? <laughs> okay, so. How, how could I, I possibly... Oh, how do I live? Faith, Faith, please. No, no, no. That was Trisha. <laughs> it was Trisha and Leanne Rhymes. They both did it, and they were both out at the same time in the 90s. Well, how could we ever live without either of those tracks? I'm willing to make the effort. Okay. Me too. <laughs> so, how could I possibly whittle these down to five? And then, really, some patterns started to emerge... Um, it ended up for me where I wanted to stay away from, you know, let's stay together, let's get it on. Great songs. Al Green is awesome. Uh, and Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. But I want to stay off the off the beaten path, if you will. And I want to include maybe each of my songs is about a different kind of love. Or that you, the different type of emotion you may be feeling on Valentine's Day. Okay, that's the adoration, that's very good. the romance, the unrequited love, the my marriage is failing love, my relationship or marriage is failing, and also cheating. So that's a that's the pattern. A great, the pattern great, emerged. So you've done it categorically by selecting a song that you like yes. that expresses a different kind of what we throw in English under the umbrella of love. And allowed me to shoehorn some people in that I that I want to talk about. <laughs> well, and, and I think, too, you probably, as part of that, that sounds like your main motivation as part of that, you probably also um, wanted to stay away from anything we've already talked about. You know, uh, Mostly. Uh, I mean, you could throw five Beatles songs about love on there and of be course. real happy with your list. Of course. List, of course. You know, but... Didn't want to do that, so... I can tell you, let me just review my songs here. Um, of the songs I chose, we have only mentioned one of these artists. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, that's my sort of methodology. What about yours? Interesting. Um, of the songs that, that I chose in my core list of five, only one of them, I believe, is an artist that we've mentioned 
and that was very, very much in passing. No, there's one I've talked about a little bit on here, but so I didn't, this didn't just flow from me like it did from Jacob. You know, he sort of went from a list of songs into a methodology that helped him to filter what he came up with, which is great. That's probably easier to do and a lot less heartache. I actually had a lot of difficulty. I thought of, I thought of one song immediately. This goes on my list. And then I didn't think of another song for over a week. I well, just, that is crazy. I just like, I have no idea what to do. It was almost as if I couldn't come up with anything until I gave myself some parameters. <laughs> I had to figure out. But, but that so speaks to the, the open-ending nature of love song. Okay, well, that's virtually everything that was ever written by people other than Steely Dan. So it was the opposite for you then. No, I went the for, other way. For me, a methodology came just sort of popped out of a list. Uh-huh. But for you, it was the opposite then. So here's what I decided to do. I decided I would pick every song from a different genre. Okay. So I would not not select five songs that were all rock songs or five songs that were all country songs. Okay. Because I wanted some variety, and I, I sort of, I think, managed to get some in there. When I did them, I did also notice w- without planning. That was my plan, okay? I noticed that without planning that we do have the different kinds of love in there. So I did kind of tag them that way, but that was not my primary objective. My primary objective was to have five songs from five different genres that I like that could be called love songs. And ultimately, when you put those two things together, what we basically have done is created a a somebody else's favorite songs, Valentine's Day playlist for your enjoyment. It will be enjoyable. It'll be enjoyable for us. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it, too. But we didn't just select five songs, Jacob. We also added a sixth song. Tell, a, tell the folks about that. That is correct. If you're married, <clears throat> if you're married, if you're in a relationship, you can probably go through and think about, I'm doing quotes, you can't see it, but quote-unquote, a what is our song? Yes, you can tell this, everybody this is your song. Yes, it may be quite simple, but anyway, we thought... It would be cool because I'm sure that people listening out there can, you know, can relate. They have a song that they think about um, when it comes to their relationship, whatever that relationship is. It's just one of those things you have to do. You have your song, right? Yes. So we're going to do five songs each, as is usual. And then at the end, we're going to each just talk a little bit about what is the quote-unquote our song, the song of our relationship. So we thought that would be an interesting addition for this episode. All right. Well, let's jump right into it. Well, I think since I went first during our Gateway Songs episode, I'm going to let you go first. That sounds like a great plan. So mine are semi-chronological, but again, as each, are mine. each from a different genre. So we're going to go back to that one that I mentioned was the one I thought of immediately. I was like, this goes. And in, in, in selecting these, yeah, they're, they're songs that I like. But I admit, they are also songs that, for, for lack of a better term and to use the, the vernacular of the day, all of these give me the feels. <laughs> I, they do. They, they elicit a, a reaction in me. And this is an old-time song. It would go in the genre, I would say, of classics. And standards, the first maybe. one, Yeah, standards would be a good one. And the first song that you'll hear is Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. 
That's one that probably most everybody has heard. And as I said many times already on this show, one of my very favorite vocalists, Nat King Cole, just a one of the finest voices in, in music history. That was from 1952. If I were to piggyback on Jacob's idea, uh, I would say that that is a sentimentality of love. Yes. And... So he was recording on Capitol Records at that time, and I did not realize he was such an important artist to Capitol that, you know, the famous Capitol Record building that looked like a stack of records? Have you yeah. seen that before? Most people probably have. At the time, that be- became, in the 50s, became or, or started to be called the house that Nat built. He was the oh, first really? Capitol artist that really, really put them on the map. And so. You know, this was an important song for them. Uh, big hit. One of the better known songs of all time. I love the sentiment. It it, it just, it, like I said, it kind of gives me the feels when it comes it's to beautiful. love. It's a, it's a beautiful song. And it really made him into sort of what was what some have called the fireside balladeer that he would become. <laughs> and that's that's true. But just just a wonderful song. Now, you may not actually know it in its original um, its original presentation, which is what we just heard. It perhaps, particularly if you're about my age, could be more famous to you as a 1991 recording when someone had the idea that his daughter, Natalie Cole, a singer in her own right, should record another part to that and create a duet. We won't really? play that for you, but we'll put it on the... We'll put it on the playlist. But yes, and so there was posthumously, of course, uh, Nat King Cole had been dead a long time, but he and his daughter Natalie had a big hit in 1991 with this song as a duet. And it's great, and it was quite popular, and it won three Grammys. Really? Yes. It was a huge record in 1991. So that that may be how how you're more familiar with it. 
or you may be more familiar with this original. I think I'm more familiar with the original, to be honest. It was it was a product of its time. That was something that people kind of began, began to do a little bit. I think we're going to see more of that coming up now. Um, but that was... That was the gimmick, but it, it was a good record even even that way, but I'll stick with the original, a song that ended up being inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame 50 years after its release in 2001, the absolutely beautiful, classic, unforgettable by Nat King Cole. And that was a great choice, and, and we talked beforehand that you'd be so surprised if we chose the same song or chose the same artist, maybe. I was going to include Nat King Cole's famous L-O-V-E song. You know, L is for the way you look at me. Mm -hmm. O is for the only one I see. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I almost had that one on there. So that's a great one, too. Yes. I, I, I I actually debated a little bit when I started looking because I didn't know... I thought that this was probably going to be it. Like I said, that was the first one that came to me was 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 unforgettable. But I I paused for just a little bit and wondered if maybe I shouldn't choose when I fall in love because that's a great one too. It is. And I so I thought I had that moment of question and so I listened to both of them and I'm like, well I can't go wrong with either one, but I'll I'll stick with unforgettable. It's the first one I thought of and it what more could you want somebody to say than that it's incredible that yes. someone who's so unforgettable thinks I'm unforgettable too? There you it's go. a beautiful sentiment. It really right. is. The tree sap is flowing heavily, and I will punt over to Jacob to do his first song. <laughs> well, as I said, we're doing each of my songs have a particular theme, a different type of love. Well, and they're also the songs I chose are in chronological order. So, we're going to 1964. This is my song that is about unrequited love. And I'm talking about Garota de Empanima. Tall and thin and young and lovely The girl from Ipanema goes walking And when she passes, each when she passes goes ah. When she walks, she's like a samba When she passes, each one she passes goes ah. Oh, but you watch her so sadly
yeah. One of the most recorded songs of all time. That was The Girl from Ipanema. Correct. That was recorded by Stan Getz and Joao Gilberto from 1964 on their album called Getz and Gilberto. And yes, Josh is right. It's apparently the second most recorded song ever behind The Beatles' Yesterday. And very much, I mean, it may be a bit of a cliche, this song, but I have to admit, it was it was one that I wanted to sort of shoehorn in because we hadn't talked about jazz yet, really. Not really. Just um, a little bit in the Christmas episode. This, this album put Bossa Nova on the map across the world, and I just love this style because it's so, so minimal, the, the instrumentation and the restraint. In this song, I really love the little piano counter melody. Yes. Um, until the piano has its solo. Yeah. But um, Stan Getz is an American saxophone player who um, ended up uh, recording an album with, with Brazilian musicians, including Joao Gilberto, who is playing guitar and sings this. Now, the version that there's several versions of them doing this. Now, Joao's wife knew English the best of all of them, so she recorded um, the version which you'll probably be hearing which was popular, um, and I talk about unrequited love, but this is really what it's about. Oh, but he watches her so sadly. How can he tell her he loves her? Yes, he would give his heart gladly, but each day when she walks to the sea, she looks straight ahead, not at he. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit of a mistranslation, I believe, but it kind of rhymes see and he anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it, the love is unrequited and even... Even uh, unacknowledged. Yes. It's, she doesn't know he exists. Yes. Uh, sort of like a, uh, hey, baby, you're oh pretty woman, you know. That's exactly. That's just happening from afar. But everybody, in one form or another, has has heard this. Yes, and I first became acquainted with this song when actually we played it in jazz band in high school. This is one that we liked playing a lot. I didn't know the words at all. Of course, you know, it's a jazz band. We're just playing the music. But it stuck with me, and I, I saw a YouTube video that really dissects this song uh, by a, a guy named Adam Neely um, on YouTube, and it got me really interested in Bossa Nova in general. I went and listened to that album. It was Album of the Year. It won the Grammy for Album of the Year in 1965. You should go check it out because it's really cool. It's so, like I said, it's so minimal, the arrangements, but some really good playing on this album. So... There probably haven't been a lot of hits this big that would be Bossa Nova. No. This is, was this the biggest Bossa Nova record ever? Probably. Probably. I certainly can't think of any more. And one of the most commercially successful jazz type of albums by far. So this is one I'd really love to own on vinyl too. I'll I'll have to buy that one day. That would be cool. I was trying to think as I was listening to it, I was like, you know... I know I have seen this in TV shows and movies. Surely you would have. And, you know, I just had to do a little bit of searching. The only ones that I came up with TV show-wise, one was The Simpsons, the 30th season special. I haven't watched The Simpsons in years, so that wasn't it. But I did see The Sopranos, Scrubs, and The Wonder Years, all of which I have seen all of more than once. So uh, it may be... That the episode of The Sopranos that had 
the girl from Ipanema in it that I'm thinking of, but I just can't place it. All I know no, is... No, that's interesting. It's, it's there somewhere, but the truth is, it's probably there in a lot of somewheres. Yes. Because, as, as Jacob said, very popular, well-known, ubiquitous even, selection. So, I love that. I love getting uh, an, an unrequited love selection. I love getting a jazz song. I love getting Portuguese. Uh, uh, Ipanema is a district in Rio. So Correct. You got your Brazilian, Portuguese, everything. Love it. Great selection. Thank you. Garota de Ipanema. So, song number uh, two for you, Josh. What, what have you? All right. So, here it comes. Fading in as I introduce it. One of my favorite songs in the soul genre from the 70s. This is Then Came You by Dionne Warwick and the Spinners. Ever since I met you Seems I can't forget you The thought of you keeps running through The back of my mind Every time I'm near you I get better I love this. That's that soul. So, nineteen seventy-four, and that became Dionne Warwick's first Billboard number one. It did not top the R&B chart, which seems backwards. It does, but it did not top that. But Barry Barry White was sitting there with "Can't Get Enough of Your Love." So, well, that wasn't going anywhere. You know, right? that wasn't going anywhere, right? So, but Dionne and the Spinners do, and she didn't think this song was going to be a hit. But for me. Uh, along with being a different genre, if I'm going to think about it in Jacob's terms, this is a song about joy and euphoria. And in, in particular, I, you know, now I'm so glad I found you. This is early relationship euphoria that everybody feels. Uh, you know, I, I travel around all the time for work, and I meet all kinds of people. And, and last week, I met 
a couple of young young folks who had only been married for a month. And <laughs> as you watch people like that as they interact, they're floating. And they they're they're all just you know floating two feet off the ground all the time in in just this euphoria. And however somebody might want to express that, I would express it in song with with a song like this one. It's just always just given me that same feeling. It just reminds me of that of how it was, of how, how you it felt, was, and it just brings you right back to it. And for some reason. There are thousands of songs like this, but for some reason, this one right here is is just always been one of my favorites. I like that. It's a good choice. So the the Spinners were just coming off uh, a number one R&B hit the last year that only got to four on Billboard, but certainly uh, they were they were riding high at the time with uh, "Could It Be I'm Falling in Love," which is is kind of a similarly structured song. It sounds very similar, but you know they had a sound. And so, you know, Dion gets onto that. Of course, they would continue to have varying levels of success. Both of them uh, would. But Warwick in particular, of course, would about six years later in 1980 have a hit with I Know I'll Never Love This Way Again, probably her, her biggest and, and most signature song, uh, a claim that she actually proved in the 90s when she joined the Psychic Friends Network and did uh, infomercials. She truly did know she would never <laughs> love this way again. You see, people my age were introduced to Dion on late night TV as the Psychic Friends Network lady. So she was making the rounds at so, nighttime. Yeah, she just did all kinds of things, but she knew she would never love that way again, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that's that's what I was saying anyway. But anyway, this back in 74, this wonderful song, Dionne Warwick and the Spinners, Then Came You, that's my soul selection for our Valentine's Day episode. Very good soul selection, and I am very, I can tell you, we will hear more soul before this episode is over. Well, that's that's a good genre for something like Jean, this. Genre, yes. Thanks, Alex. Indeed, right. thank you, Alex. Absolutely. All right, go ahead with your next selection. This will be number two from Jacob. Well, you said that all your songs give you the feels, and um, not every song like that on my list, but this one definitely makes me feel a certain way. This this deeply, for me, deeply romantic and poetic song uh, from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, from Led Zeppelin. Okay. From their second album in 1969, this is Thank You. Of the pain, tears of 
Today my world, it smiles Your hand in mine, we walk the miles Thanks to you, it will be dark For you to me, I'm the only one I had said, happiness I love that song very, very much. If I had made a list of a hundred songs that I thought you might select, I don't think this one would have come on the radar. What a surprising choice and a good one. Well, we hadn't talked about Led Zeppelin yet, and generally Led Zeppelin, for me, it it really um, gets me very excited as a guitar player and even as a drummer. Um, what an example of a great band who are truly masters of their instrument. Instruments, I should say. All of them. I and have I, such a difficult time with Led Zeppelin because... I mean, but I do too, though. They, they, were, they were great. But it's almost like I think I could have put them on the overrated, most overrated artist list when we did our Bands of Our Lives because... No, I, I well, just I'm just saying for me, and I don't know. Not to downplay them anyway. I mean, I know a ton of their catalog and like it, but I virtually never listen to Led Zeppelin. I almost never choose to to go out there and and play them. Um, so for this one, um, what what ancient writer did they steal the lyrics from? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> It could be, these could be, these words could be thousands of years old. I'm, I'm kidding. But it, Robert Plant. I think they're Robert Plant's lyrics, aren't they? He, he wrote this song for his wife, his then wife. And it was the first song that Robert Plant wrote all the lyrics to on his own. Okay. Um, but I just think it's it's very beautiful. It is. It's a great uh, if song. If the sun refused to, si- to shine, I would still be loving you. When mountains crumble to the sea, there will still be you and me. And I'll tell you, I listened to that song for a long time. Because, I, you know, I agree with you. Led Zeppelin is overrated. And it's like a cliche now for classic rockers. You know, that it's like middle-aged man music. Mm-hmm. Like they jam out to Led Zeppelin, whatever. Yeah. But they're truly masters. 
yeah. mas- masterful musicians yeah, and songwriters no and singers. Yeah, no question. I listened to this song for a long time before I actually listened to the lyrics, because as I've mentioned before, I'm very much a music person mm-hmm. for at first listen. But when I saw these lyrics, I was like, wow, these lyrics are deep. And of course, I... Uh, it made me feel a certain way, you know. I think of my wife when I listen to this song, and I think of us, and you know, that's that. This is actually the first song that came to mind when we talked about doing a Valentine's episode. Wow! Because I just think it is just out of this world, uh, deep and and, and what beautiful. a surprising choice, and I love it. I th- I think that's just just great, and and really, it's it's an example of. Okay, I'm familiar with this song. I've I've heard it many times. Am I as familiar with it as I am, you know, rock and roll or Black Dog or Stairway or something like that? Of course not. Don't mention Stairway to Heaven but. on this podcast. <laughs> you know, that's we won't be the, talking about that that's one. That's one of the worst things about, about it. Is, is Actually, you know, Stairway to Heaven is pretty great. But it's it, just... It is so overplayed. It's, been so, it's gone so far, as with a lot of their stuff, that I, I guess a better way to say it even though I don't do a lot of listening to Led Zeppelin, I think a better way to say it just might be that they became so overexposed in the way that you talk about. Overexposed, commercialized. And with classic rock radio that I think there's a lot of people that, that are not properly appreciating them, especially not for a track like this. Yes. I mean, maybe for Immigrant Song or something. But yeah. For this, they could do this too. They could. They, you know brought about hard rock and but they could also across their catalog they always had acoustic songs mm-hmm. um you know folk influenced songs and so really they're they they sort of are put on as one dimensional um by the radio and by pop culture if you ask me yeah can be but i think they're way more multidimensional than even i imagined at mm-hmm. the beginning so, like I said, first song for me was this one. That's, that's fantastic. Thank I, you I love by that. Led Zeppelin. I love that. Great selection. We're coming up on number three for you, is that right? We are, and so it will be no surprise that I have, for my next genre, selected a song from the AOR genre, of course, uh, adult-oriented rock, <laughs> later becoming known as the West Coast Sound or L-A-R-N-B, A-O-R, however you want to put it, had to select one from that song, and it had to be this classic from Quincy Jones' 1981 album, The Dude, sung by the great James Ingram. This is 100 Ways. Today, 
I have not heard that song before right now, I have to say. I love it when that happens. I uh, So much of the things that, that Jacob and I listen to, we've talked about, but there's so many of them that we haven't. And that comes from, from, both, from both directions. It's not just stuff that I've heard because I'm older. It's stuff that, that he's heard that I haven't. But this one in particular, I remember this record around the house, the dude by Quincy Jones, it came out in 81 when I was six years old. And it's almost a record that I don't have any consciousness of not, of not knowing. knowing. And in this, in this genre, the AOR genre, the West coast sound genre, similar to last week, talking about, um, breaking away by Al Jarreau, uh, This one is right, right up. Yeah. There. Same time. Yeah. yeah. Same time frame, same stuff. You got, all the hallmarks of what make the genre the genre and that make it also yacht rock in a very anachronistic naming but regardless you've got the electric piano you've got the falsetto vocals you've got the smooth factor oh yeah you've got the saxophone solo you've got the synth solo i mean you've got you know all of this stuff but for the song itself if if I'm categorizing it, this is definitely the romance. This is all totally. about the romance. The fireside, the the candlelight. If it's one more star she wants, go all the way. Ask find a hundred ways. Find a hundred ways. I like oh, that. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's it. A number five hit for Quincy Jones and the album that introduced James Ingram, who would, of course, go on, whom we lost not too long ago, actually, would go on to have several hits throughout the 80s well, and 90s. I've heard of James Ingram, of course. The way I know him is, Yamo be there. Ah, yes. <laughs> Yamo be there. That's a That's staple. A, staple. a staple on the classic, <laughs> on the Yacht Rock station on Sirius XM. And people in just, bet- probably between our 
our age brackets will know him as the singer of of the song from An American Tale. Um, what's the name of that song? The little uh, mouse sings, looking up in the sky. Uh, no say. Uh, what is that song? I can't believe I can't think of the name of it. It's uh, somewhere out there. Okay. Okay, yeah. With Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, with Linda Ronstadt. Okay. So that's James Ingram also. But, you know, along with having Yamo be there in 100 Ways, he also sang Just Once on this album. I don't know if you know Just Once. I don't think so. But um, uh, your Jacob's homework assignment is to listen to The Dude by Quincy Jones, the whole album. Okay, I'll um, do it. In fact... Before I let him leave the studio today, <laughs> the I'm going to play him at least a couple more <laughs> songs off of it because, given our our love for for uh, the the genre, he he's got to hear some of this. Uh, other stuff from James Ingram. James Ingram may have heard "Baby Come to Me." You may be familiar with that, or whatever we imagine. Like I said, somewhere out there, uh, "Yamo Be There." He brought up. Um, th- there were just several different things. That, that he had hits with and a fine fine career that was was brought about by by Quincy Jones on this album with this if I have to pick my favorite romantic song it's 100 ways by Quincy Jones and James Ingram uh, whom we lost again just last year in 2019 I like that and I like just like you said I like hearing from you songs that I've never heard and uh, you said that I have to Listen to several other songs from that album, and my response to that is, Yamo be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move to your third song, Jacob. My third song is from another very favorite artist of mine that we have not mentioned. I don't think his name has come up at all. Oh, this is exciting. And um, I guess, you know, that's just how, how it goes. But uh, this is probably the most well-known, maybe most cliched song on my list. <laughs> this it was originally recorded in 1977, but the version that I will play and that you all know is from 1981 from a live album. This is She's Got Away by Billy Joel. Oh, the, yes. For my, my pick for the adoration sort of love. Here. Outstanding. She's got a way about her I don't know what it is But I know that I can't live without her She's got a way of pleasing mm, I don't know why it is But there doesn't have to be got a smile that heals me Mm, I don't know why it is but I have to laugh when she reveals me she's got a way of talking Mm, don't know why it is but it lifts me up when we are walking to me when I'm feeling down inspires me without a sound she touches me and I get turned around she's got a way of showing mm, how I make her feel 
dreams and love surround her everywhere. As I say, very much a, a very well-known song, and I want to make a correction when I said that it was from 77 originally. Billy Joel wrote and recorded this song in 1971, so that album that came up first for him, Cold Spring Harbor, was not very well received, but a live version came about after he got big mm-hmm. from The Stranger, right. the album that is probably his biggest. It's the greatest hits album almost. Basically. So I can't believe that we're this many episodes in and we've never talked about Billy Joel at all, have we? We haven't. We haven't. We, his name has not come up once. Wow. So there again, therein lies part of my point for my list was getting to talk about people we hadn't talked about yet. I, I kind of thought the same the same thing, at least in the back of my mind. I have been a Billy Joel fan forever, and he has several very romantic songs. Um, Always a Woman mm-hmm. is another one I considered. He also wrote and recorded Just the Way You Are, which I don't like as much. I think the lyrics are a little strange. But, uh, he you know. He doesn't want a clever conversation. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want to talk. Just, just, you don't, shut up, okay? Just, <laughs> just be like you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't, let, let us not progress. Let us not become better people. Maybe I will, but you can just stay down there and let me be the man and you be the woman. If I want clever conversation, I'll, I'll see someone else. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't care for that song very much, but that's why I'm not talking about it. So getting back to, oh, getting back to She's Got Away. It's like I I use the word adoration because it's very much um, he adores this woman mm-hmm. and everything about her and uh, he just sort of gives into it you know she comes to me when I'm feeling down inspires me without a sound she touches me and I get turned around I mean I guess that's still phrasing anyway <laughs> but get turned bruh. <laughs> loosen up and have fun while we're doing this so yes i really like that song and i had to include it now this was another one that pretty quickly made the cut of the of the you know 12 or 15 or whatever songs awesome and i love getting to talk a little bit about billy joel i'm sure we will again um we mentioned the stranger the innocent man album was a big player around my house when i was a kid so that is my third choice billy joel She's got away. So that is mine. And Josh, you're looking at your third choice now, right? Or fourth. fourth, okay. I don't know why I can't ever get that right. It's yeah, like it's I'm just, so lost in the discussion well, and it's I'm like, which one are you back on? back and forth as to who's going first and everything. Who's so, on first? Yeah, I don't know. So my fourth selection will come from, will actually come from two different genres because two different versions must be included. It was my original selection for the country genre, but it is impossible not to include a very famous remake in talking about this song. So let's listen to um, a little bit of both versions of the perhaps finest love song ever written, certainly the most popular, I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton.
I think that's Dolly Parton at her finest. It, it is, and then you also heard Whitney Houston at her finest. So yes. I would call I would call that vocal. I would you probably just call you know that vocal music. Yeah. Perhaps it, it's, it's very much its showcasing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know Celine Dion or Whitney or stuff like that. I, I just call that vocal music. But those two versions of that song are are totally different. And both completely powerful and yet very similar. Uh, so yeah, Dolly Parton wrote that when she was splitting away from Porter Wagoner to pursue her solo career in uh, 1974. And incidentally, you may have heard the rumor. It's not a rumor. It's true. Dolly wrote, I Will Always Love You and Jolene on the same day. Yeah, apparently that is true. So what have you accomplished today? That's what I think when I consider that. <laughs> she writes two of the greatest songs in popular music history in the same day. And, you know, I could barely be bothered to get my microphone set up to do a podcast <laughs> for 40 people to listen to. <laughs> but here we are. Hey, so, hey, it's, it's more like 60, okay? That's, that's true. Actually, we've got some episodes that have closed in on 100. And, well, we and have one. Thank you so much. Our first for, episode closed in on 100 it did. just today. It so did. We're, we're getting close to 600 total listens. That, we've already passed that. That's that's incredible. Uh, it's so great that everybody is, is listening um, to us talk about this stuff. But back to Dolly, you know, I Will Always Love You, aside from just being the great song that it is, was the second song ever to be number one twice. The first one was Chubby Checkers, A Twist, which became number one in two separate years. And then Dolly had a number one hit a second time with a re-recording uh, for, uh, from the, the movie The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Uh, that To have the same song be number one twice. That's, that's quite a, that's a, a feat. feat. Then to have it be number one a third time when somebody else records it, you know, there, there is a list actually of only about five or six songs ever that have been number one by two different artists. And I won't try to remember them because I can't. 
that's that's an impressive feat in itself. But this this would would have been one that was number one three times, twice by Dolly and once by by Whitney. So Whitney Houston, incidentally, the cousin of the aforementioned Dionne Warwick. Right. So they're, they're just trivia to throw in there that many of you may have known. I will also say that something that I did not know about I Will Always Love You is that in, after she released this song originally, Elvis wanted to record it. And she, she was considering that, but uh, Tom Parker... The colonel <laughs> told her that it was normal procedure for a songwriter to sign over half of the publishing rights to any song that Elvis recorded. Uh, I don't think so, Tim. And so she <laughs> she declined. Uh, to quote Dolly, uh, quote, I said, I'm really sorry, and I cried all night. I mean, it was like the worst thing. You know, it's like Elvis Presley. And other people were saying, you're nuts, it's Elvis Presley. I said, I can't do that. Something in my heart says, don't do that. And I just didn't do it. He would have killed it. But anyway, so he didn't. Then when Whitney came out, uh, Whitney's version came out, I made enough money to buy Graceland. <laughs> <laughs> so decision went that pretty was, well that was good. For, for Dolly, who continues to, to this day to be looked up to and championed by universally, just by everybody. Everybody loves Dolly. Everybody loves Dolly. And with good reason. But this right here, this this is one of the greatest things ever. So my country selection and my vocal selection is I Will Always Love You by the great and the one and only Dolly Parton. Lovely. Truly. So my next song, yours was from a country artist. My next song is in the country style, I would say. It's not from a country artist, but someone who, as we have learned in a previous episode, does flirt with country styles and country artists, and someone I wanted to shoehorn in yet again. This is a song from 1982 off of an album called Trust, and Josh would have heard this song if he had done his homework. I asked him to listen to two albums by Elvis Costello, before we listened, before we recorded a certain episode, we haven't done yet. He's only listened to one. Uh, well, now he'll hear this song. It is called "Different Finger," and it is about cheating, and it's hilarious. Please put your rings on a different finger. You meet them tonight. I can't stand those suspicious glances, cause I know the things they're saying are right. They're saying. Why don't you straighten up and see what you got to lose? Put it all down to faith, but you still got the chance to choose. I don't want to hear your whole life story. Or about my strange resemblance to some old flame. All I want is one. Don't even know your second name. 
on a different finger Cause we got so much at stake I can't stand those suspicious glances As they seem to cover every move I make I feel alone with you completely Two rings on a different finger Or I turn out the light All I want is one night of glory. I don't even know your second name. Oh, that is great. You're going to you're going to make me a full convert into the Elvis Costello thing. This song is so funny. It's please put your rings on a different finger, because I can't stand those suspicious glances. Because I know the things they're saying are right. It's, that's well written. It is. That, that's, did he write this? He did. He did. That's 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 wonderful. Um, you know, Jacob's wife Sarah let us uh, know recently that the last episode we did was her favorite one that we had done. But now that he's included Elvis Costello in this episode, it I don't will think not. It's going to make the list. No, it will not. <laughs> is that she doesn't like Elvis Costello? <laughs> It's a good thing we didn't know that beforehand, or things could have gone very differently. Well, I didn't even know Elvis Costello <laughs> at that. So, I, I so didn't even I fair. didn't even know how to pronounce our second name uh. for uh, several years. So, yeah, I think the funniest part of this song is he's saying, "Please put your rings on a different finger," but he even feels guilty mm-hmm. because he wants her to do that before he turns out the light. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to see whether where her rings are at, but he still it must be done. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a really great. I, I think that's it's a great a great cheating song. It's a hilarious song. Of course, there's a multitude of cheating songs out there. Just a ton of great ones. But again, Elvis Costello, I am I'm really really into his music the last year during the pandy. Um, maybe this will encourage you to finish your homework. Listen to this album called Trust. I'm going to give you another one, too, because there's some great stuff that he's, he's written and played. So, Well, I enjoyed the one that I listened to. What was it called again? Um, Next Year's Model. Yes, that was great. Or This Year's Model. Yeah. It's one of the some two. Some Year's Model, I don't know. Right. But I enjoyed it. I listened through to that one, and so this one will be, will be next on the list. And maybe it will be for you, too, listener. That's Jacob's uh, fourth selection? Yes, it is. Different finger from Elvis Costello. Correct. So, Josh, this is about to be your fifth one, right? This is my <clears throat> fifth selection. So, before you go on, okay. we talked about having to narrow down songs um, to get down to this five number. So, tell us some honorable mentions. What are some of the songs you left off? Okay, so even doing it the way that I did <clears throat> and sort of building it together, I had a couple that that I, that I left off of my list that were on my original list. And I'll just mention two honorable mentions. One would be, since I'm doing genres, I would call oldies, but it could also be soul, which is part of why I eliminated it. But I'll call it oldies. That was My Girl by The Temptations. That's a feel-good song. And for me, <clears throat> I, I knew that song when I was a very small child. And I can vividly remember every romance or potential romance I had growing up in grade school, first, second, third, fourth grade, it was always listen to my girl and think about that girl, (laughs) whoever she may have been at the time. 
So that was one of them. And then another was that I had selected was, I would say it's either from rock or eighties or both. And that's why can't this be love from Van Halen, (laughs) which was my unrequited love uh, selection. And, and to me is a great example of the difference between Van Halen and Van Hagar. You know, everybody (laughs) thinks they have to pick which one I love both. This is a great example of a song that David Lee Roth just couldn't sing and Sammy can. So, uh, that's it. I've always loved that song. So those were kind of my honorable mentions that were on my list. What uh, What about you? You want to go ahead and give yours before sure. we give our well, fifth? Well, I had a bunch. I'm going to edit out some of these maybe, not say them all. Forever and Ever Amen by Randy Travis. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Calico Skies, which is a great song. And I recall that your son and daughter-in-law walked back up the aisle to this song when they got married. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, a uh, well, they had a uh, an instrumental version. Was the song she walked down the aisle to? Oh, I forgot that. Mm-hmm. So then they put the and they then did they the put actual Paul version. McCartney's version. Uh, that's a great one. That's a beautiful y'all song. Y'all check that out. That's a great the one. Calico Skies. Yeah. Also, Every Day by Buddy Holly. Mm-hmm. I was going to do that one for like a fifties because mm-hmm. I was doing chronologically. Um, my favorite Eagles song, which is I can't tell you why. AOR. Yes. <laughs> West Coast. Yacht and, Rock. And a good example of um, Roto Drumming by True. Uh, Don Henley. True, but man, I do love that song. <laughs> it, you know, I can't tell you why. I just, I love this song. I really do. So, also, Songbird by Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. is a beautiful one. Um, from Hootie, Only Want to Be With You. Don't Let Our Love Start Slipping Away by Vince Gill. Oh, that's a great one, too. And The Chair by George Strait. Mm-hmm. So just to show you, I mean, I had a hard time bringing it down to the right number. All of those could have been selected. They could have been. And who who knows? Who knows? If we're still around next year. Maybe we'll do another Valentine's Playlist episode just to give us the opportunity to talk about certain songs that we just want to and... I also wanted to shoehorn an artist, uh, an artist that I had not talked about, and grab another genre. The genre is funk, but it's modern funk, and it's kind of subdued. I wanted to, I've been wanting to pull this artist in there for some time. So what you're about to hear is a song called Birds of a Feather We Rock Together by the, van, by the band Wolfpack. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Birds of a feather, we rock together. And if we got a problem, we talk together. So let's head down south, escape the bad weather. The rain came through my treetop and washed away so many things. Things I couldn't learn till I went through. Together, together, talk 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 together
than the breeze on which we once flew farther from the tree where I met you so I'm learning the hard way learning the hard way learning the hard way to be true I'm learning the hard way They are so cool. Everyone deserves to know who these be, who these guys are. So again, that is Wolfpeck, V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K. They're an American funk band that have been around for about nine or ten years. Uh, all these guys went already, to, yeah, the University of Michigan, and maybe that's where the wolf thing comes into it. Eleven uh, could be, and they're just. They're just a lot of fun. They do a lot of stuff that has been described. I think my son Joel described it as sounding like it was being played on a Casio keyboard or something. Yeah, <laughs> little thing. But and they are they are virtuoso musicians too. They absolutely they, are. And it's like a revolving lineup of different people, guest artists. Yes, and yes. So they've got their core group, but then they've got other people that just kind of come in and out of of that and guests. And you know, you can see them. Uh, they they do Steely Dan covers in they concert, do. which is cool. Not very many people can handle that. They have they all have the chops and the or the arrangements. They can do that. This this song I was surprised to learn is actually a cover. They did not write really? this song. Yeah, this this song. Of course, Jacob is familiar with Wolfpack, so this uh, he's not learning something new as far as artists here, like maybe perhaps some of you are. But we were both surprised that this is a, a remake, and it's a fairly, fairly faithful remake of a 2009 song by a Canadian artist called Maki. Hmm. And so I went back and investigated Maki, and it, he very much sounds like a, a precursor to Wolfpack. Okay. So they, they go very well together. That's something I'm still working on. And and for another time, we'll see if if Maki returns one day in the discussion. You know what they say: birds of a feather. Yes, they are birds of a feather. So I like I like this one again. I, it's a different genre, and it gets a a more current song. It's just from a couple of years ago. Um, I was I was about to say that may be the the newest song that we have discussed as a direct subject on our show so far. Yeah. Maybe. I really think it is. The other the one only one I can think of is Nora Jones that I talked about well back in episode three. Uh, um the most recent song we've talked about is um Monkey House's cover of Book of Liars. Oh, that's right. That's and then right. You have some young gun silver fox songs. Oh there we go. That would that's be up in this range. But that's from last time it, and I can't remember that. It's fairly rare but but do note that when we do talk about songs from the last three or four years it's always by obscure artists that yes, you may not it is. know. <laughs> because that's because we don't listen to radio. Uh, so yeah, that's that's right. We kind of curate what we're we're gonna do. But this this song, um, "Birds of a Feather," 
is appears to me to be all about the the long term relationship, and and how whenever there's there's things that come up, we're going to stick it out. Uh, birds of a feather, we rock together, and if we got a problem, we talk together. Let's stay down south and escape the bad weather. Ooh 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 ooh. Uh, it, it's just got a, a cool little sound, and yeah, it I, does. I love it. And as as I do pretty much everything else I've heard by Wolfpack. So check those guys out sometime. Definitely you should. And that will be the the end of of my 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 fiver, my five pack before we get to our <laughs> before we get to our uh, our song selections. So Jacob, where did you end up for number five? Number five. This this song and Thank You by Led Zeppelin were the first two that came to mind. Okay. Um, this song is about relationship troubles. It's from 1991, I believe, from an album called Mama Said. It is It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz. Fantastic. Let's check this one out. This is an awesome song. I am, you know, that that song was all over the radio. Everybody knew about it. So 1991 is, I'm... In high school, right? Yeah, Yeah. summer I turned 16. So that would actually, I commonly cite two driving songs. That's the summer I started driving. And I remember (laughs) more than words. 
and I want to sex you up by color me bad. We're both on the radio all the time. But when you said 91, I bet th- this has got to be one too, because this song was everywhere and it is so fresh. It could come out today and just be perfectly accepted. This, you know, when I first heard this song, I'm like, oh, well, okay, this must be a Bill Withers song. I mean, oh, that's, oh, I, yeah. I had no job. 1991, come on. It was just like last um, last episode, we're talking about Young Guns, Silver Fox. You hear the song, where do you think that comes from? I thought that was from the 70s. Uh, that, because you uh, get the right. strings, you get the, the chunky guitar and the piano. Um, and by the way, all, everything that you hear on that track, except for the strings, is played by Lenny Kravitz. Uh, so, to me, that's really cool. But this song was written, you know, for his then-wife, Lisa Bonet. Yes. Who played Denise Huxtable, as you all probably know. But their marriage was not doing so well at the time, and eventually they did divorce. But this song was just an expression of that, you know, let's keep going. Um, Even at the beginning of the, the song, it's like, here we are still together, we are one. But then, so many tears I've cried, so much pain inside... But baby, it ain't over till it's over. Like let's let's give this another shot. Let's keep this going. You know, we can make it out of here. And um it really put him on the map. And I think he is so cool. His his catalog um is very interesting. He originally, I read, he wanted this song to be uh, he wanted Smokey Robinson to sing this song. Oh, I can hear that but, completely. But his producer or somebody at the record label convinced him that he needed to put it out. Mm-hmm. He wanted to stay kind of underground is what I understand. Mm-hmm. But he released the song and he got really big because of it. And he, and you can attest because it was all over the radio. It was. In the day. Wasn't that entire album about Lisa Bonet? I'm not sure. I, I, I think I remember we're hearing that, that pretty much all the songs were, were relationship songs uh, based on that. And Lisa Bonet ate no basil. What? What? Is it like an... Uh, what? That's one of the greatest palindromes ever. Lisa oh, Bonet ain't no basil. I, was, I couldn't think of the word palindrome. <laughs> I, I'm having a hard time thinking about things. I have no idea how that could be the case. So, I, Lenny Kravitz is also one of those artists that, that I... Um, and I've, I've said this a number of times. It's kind of surprised me as we've gone through this how many times I've said it. But is one of those guys that I've just never fully explored his catalog, but I like everything I've ever heard. He's a great musician. If you go to his greatest hits, yeah. um, there are so many good tracks on there, and he is so versatile. I even there's a song called um, "Are You Gonna Go My Way." Yeah. Have yeah. you heard that? Oh yeah. All I think about is Jimi Hendrix when I hear that song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a guitarist. He's a multi instrumentalist, mm-hmm. but he he. he American Woman by he, Guess Who? That was a hit. He can rock. Um, I want to get away. I want to fly away. Uh, yeah, all that, you know? I want to get away, fly away. Maybe that's. He also did a song called "Always on the Run," which he did with 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 Slash too um, on guitar. He's a surprising guy, yeah. and I've enjoyed that Greatest Hits album. But like I said, when this when we decided to do this list, this song was right there at the top. I want to play this song because I like it so much. I'm I'm so glad you did because it's it's a worthy. Worthy selection. Always been very fond of it, and I, I'm, I'm so limited, like I said, in my Lenny Kravitz knowledge. But this is something that, um, very much in my my high school consciousness and awareness. 
as is the only trivia that I know about Lenny Kravitz other than him being married to Denise Huxtable. Um, his mother was Roxy Roker, who played Helen Willis on The Jeffersons. That's right. That's who, right. Who was part of the first interracial couple ever to be shown on, on television. So That is true. A little bit of, of fame in the family, but I, would, I think it's safe to say that far surpassed his mother's fame in, in becoming a, a world-renowned musician. Great selection from Jacob. That's Lenny Kravitz's It Ain't Over Till It's Over. So for my five selections, I gave you a classic or a standard, Unforgettable by Nat King Cole, a soul song, Then Came You from Dionne Warwick and the Spinners, an AOR or Yacht Rock or West Coast song, 100 Ways from James Ingram, a country song, I Will Always Love You, with a vocalist version from Whitney Houston. And a funk song, the Wolfpack number, Birds of a Feather, We Rock Together. Jacob, recap your selections. Well, first I've got Garota de Ipanema by Stan Getz and Joao Hilberto, and also with vocals from Astrid Hilberto. I've got Thank You by Led Zeppelin. I have got She's Got Away by Billy Joel. Different Finger by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. And then It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz. Just, those are great selections. <laughs> <laughs> Yours were too. Uh, the, the fun that, if, if, we, if we communicate even a, a portion of the fun that oh, we have. We're, we're having so much fun right now. <laughs> doing these selections and, and kind of surprising, surprising each other. And, and the number of times that we, we make expressions either quizzical or enthusiastic from across the table as we do this. Uh, if any of that is coming through. Then, then we're doing our job. Absolutely. So I've been going first on this. Let's, let's flip it around. And for your song, um, this would be Jacob and Sarah's song. Jacob, tell everybody about that as we, as we wrap up with our songs. Well, the song that... I chose that is for certain our song is In My Life by the Beatles.
so there is the hour song that I can say, which we feel, me and my wife, Sarah, that it actually comes down to a certain line in the second verse. But of all these friends and lovers, there is no one compares with you. And that really is, that really is why that song is our song. Because I pointed out this line to her some years ago, and um, it became very special to us because we both feel that way. And, um, you know, it's really a romantic take on that song, which is not not very romantic from a person, from like a person-to-person perspective. This is really a song about John's life. Yeah. And the first song that he wrote that was really about himself. Um, it started out as a song that was supposed to be reminiscing about various places around where he grew up. Yeah, yeah. It was the precursor, actually, to Strawberry Field. Exactly. It doesn't sound like it in any no, way. No, but lyrically, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so we actually, Sarah, walked down the aisle to an instrumental version of this song. It was maybe a um, chamber music, or it was just like some sort of string ensemble version of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh knows very well because he was standing behind me as she walked down the aisle. And um, Yes, I, I, I performed the ceremony for Jacob <laughs> and Sarah when they got married, and he is correct, instrumental version of that, and also recited the the lyrics as their song as part of their wedding ceremony. So really a special song for them. It's very special. And uh, so I thought it would be really nice to talk about, because, you know, as we said at the beginning, a lot of relationships, they probably have a song that they like that has special meaning to them. And this is it for me uh, in my life by the Beatles. A song that is rightly celebrated by many people as one of the finest compositions that, that John Lennon ever did. We could nerd out Beatles on it and talk about George Martin's clever solo. And the disagreement on between John and Paul later on as to who did who and what yeah. credits they should get. Yeah, who who had the most influence over this or that. It's one of the few songs that's actually open for debate as to just exactly how much influence Paul had on the song. Right, because uh, we, know, we know John wrote the lyrics, but Paul says, hey, I actually, the whole musical structure is mine. And John argued that it was completely his. So it's there's really only a couple of songs in the whole catalog that there's any discrepancy over who wrote what, but that's that's one of the bigger ones. But for for our purposes, that's Jacob and Sarah's song and that's the way they should they will remember it and that's what it's become for all of us in the family as well. So what about you, Josh, and your wife Robin? So what is your song? It, it so happens that and I'll I'll throw this into the classic rock genre, uh, so I, I get to to pick another another genre, and it is a song that is unquestionably our song, but what not uh, not because necessarily that we bonded over it so much as for a particular moment. So when Robin and I started dating in early in January of 1992. So we just passed our 29th um, date anniversary. So just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And so I had this, this old beat up 1986 Ford Ranger truck and it had a cassette deck in it and I could play the cassettes that I had 
um, that I had made or whatever. But one of the most important cassettes that I had at the time was Tom Petty's new album, Into the Great Wide Open. And not coming from a family that spent a lot of time listening to music, um, most of her exposure to music had been through her older sister because she was nine or 10 years older. So she's listening to what the high school kids are listening to, you know, when she's nine, 10 years old. Um, Stuff that since I was the oldest, I wasn't that familiar with. But had kind of settled into a country girl listening to country radio um, at the time. <laughs> the Judds and all that. Yeah, right? that was that was kind of her her bag. So Tom Petty was new to her, but I played this album a lot, and I had already decided when um, when I got when I got ready to perform in our annual pop show which we did every year in high school, and I was a junior in high school, that I was going to record a Tom, or I was going to perform a Tom Petty song. And I had decided on this particular song because I really liked it, because it was the first song that Tom Petty played live when I went to see him for the first time. They were touring for that album, Uh, I guess. Yes. It was... The first song I remember seeing him play on Saturday Night Live. There were others, but I know he played that one. And the song is called King's Highway. And it is a song about anticipation of days ahead and the, the long-term implications of, uh, of a love affair. And I performed that song and bought an ad in the, the program for the show and said, this song is for RLN, and it is King's Highway by Tom Petty. That's nice. Well, I think that that is the first time we've talked about a Tom Petty song as a showcase, as a subject of our show thus far. Yes, and probably not the last time. No, it I will not definitely be say. the last time. Tom Petty is is mutually one of our very favorite artists. Absolutely. And and became, uh, through through this story and others, became one of my wife's favorite artists, too. Uh, in particular... King's Highway, we heard on about the third time we saw him together, maybe about the fifth time I saw him, uh, in the, we'll say early 2000s, um, he played, he went back and revisited King's Highway. And he did so in a slower, kind of acoustic version, kind of more of a ballad, Mm -hmm. rather than the chiming, birds-like rock and roll that the, the version you heard is.
can hide out in a six-gun town. We want to hold our heads up, but we got to stay down. And I don't want to end up in a room alone. Don't want to end up somewhere that I don't even It was very, very great, and and I won't ever forget uh, us being able to sit there and listen to him wow. play our song, you know, ten years after the fact. Where at that point we've been, you know, married, you know, seven or eight years, whatever it is, and it, it was just a a, a really special, a special moment. Uh, Tom Tom Petty is a soundtrack to my life, and I've I've written an article about that. I've talked about it. Uh, how important his his music was. So it only stands to reason. Not a conventional song uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it does fit, and it's one that has that has meaning to us. So that is our song, King's Highway by Tom Petty. And as a footnote to that, I I just I feel like I want to mention um, in reflecting on those times that uh, we had a classmate. Um, and two classmates, actually, who were killed in a car wreck not long after we graduated from high school. And I remember really, really vividly one of them asking me what I was going to sing at the pop concert that year. And, and I said that I was going to sing King's Highway by Tom Petty. And she, loved, she said, I love Tom Petty and his song, Learning to Fly. And so that tong- song also took on special meaning for me. But I remember her. She was a good friend. And... All of those things are wrapped up together in the, into the end of the Great Wide Open album. Uh, my whole life as, as it has proceeded, and a friend that I had whose life didn't. And it's just very poignant. It's it just is. another illustration of how, how much Tom Petty's music has meant uh, to, to me. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. So And really just shows how much music can be so much tied to emotions and memories. And, you know, hearing them and hearing certain lyrics make you feel certain ways and evoke emotion that maybe you don't always want to feel it, but that's what music does to you. You don't have any choice. It, it, nothing taps into it like music and, and nothing, you know, maybe, maybe a smell, a certain smell can take you back, but nothing can take you back quite like quite like music can, and nothing can convey that emotion, making it the perfect vehicle for Valentine's Day love songs. Yes, so, of all kinds. I hope you've enjoyed our selection. Check out our playlist on sefs.show, and maybe we'll sneak a couple of the things we mentioned but didn't play in there for you as well. Where can they reach Definitely. you, Jacob? Well, we have our Facebook page that everyone should go like. And we also have the 
The website that Josh mentioned and I myself can be found on Facebook. My name is Jacob King. And on Twitter, where my username is at 5th JMK, like F-I-F-T-H-J-M-K. And Josh, what about yourself? Squonk15 on Twitter, S-Q-U-O-N-K-15. I'm also on Facebook. You can write me at Joshua at JoshuaVBest.com, my personal website, JoshuaVBest.com, or any of the Seth's areas. I'm hoping very soon we will be announcing a merchandise link. I've actually had inquiries <laughs> of multiple people. More than one person has requested the desire to order t-shirts, mugs, and other paraphernalia. We are almost ready to debut that. So that's the big exciting news point at the end of the and broadcast. I must say that is a very interesting development that we are in this position. Uh, very excited about about that. Uh, but we'll share that just as soon as it's ready, hopefully by our next episode. Until next time, I'm Josh. I'm Jacob. And this is Somebody, Somebody Else's, Else's Favorite, Favorite Love Songs. Be sure to follow us on Facebook for updates about our show. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review.